Amen. <clears throat> well, uh, we are continuing our series through the book of Proverbs. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Proverbs chapter 15. We're going to spend most of our time with verse 28. And uh, the series in Proverbs, as I've already said, um, is unique in the fact that most of the series that we do, we're either walking through a book of the Bible or we have maybe a topic that we're trying to work through. Um, and Proverbs is, for the most part, pretty scattered in its topics. There are a lot of things that Proverbs talks about. And in one verse, you'll be talking about uh, working diligently and not being lazy. And in the very next verse, it's going to be talking about your anger or your words or pride. And so there's a lot of topics covered in Proverbs. But maybe one of the most prevalent uh, is the use of our words and uh, the things that we say. And uh, Proverbs 15, 28 talks about that, as many of the verses in Proverbs do. But today, our topic is taming the tongue. I don't know if you've ever uh, been to SeaWorld and gotten to watch the uh, killer whale show, but one of the coolest things to see is how these men and women can take these animals who are some of the greatest predators in the sea, and they're able to train them, and they're able to do some pretty cool things with them um, and get them to basically act on a whim. Uh, you can tame a lot of animals. Matter of fact, James talks about that. Many beasts and animals have been tamed by men, but who can tame the tongue? James actually says in James 3, 2, if anyone doesn't stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So we can tame all of these creatures and we can do a lot of things, but taming the tongue has proven to be an impossible task for everyone who's ever lived. And, and I think that we would all agree with that to some extent. I think that out of all the sins that the Bible talks about, this is one of those that all of us can agree to some extent that we've said things that we wish we wouldn't have said, that we've said things that have been hurtful, that we wish we could take back, but we can't. And the minute that you don't think that you have an issue with this, there's a group of people somewhere who will dig up a tweet or a Facebook post or a text message that you sent 10 years ago to prove you wrong, that you do have a problem with your words, right? Because we do. We struggle with the things that we say. We struggle with taming the tongue. And what's crazy is that while this is one of our greatest weaknesses, many of us spend little to no time working on it. We just accept it as a fact of life. I just, I struggle with my words. I have a loose tongue and you gotta deal with that. That's a part of who I am. But I think we would all agree that our words matter. Our words do matter. We would say that the old saying, sticks stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is not true. Because words do hurt. And words also give the power of life as well. Jesus said something, I think, shocking in Matthew chapter 12 about our words. He said, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. That's a serious statement when you think about it. Now, how can Jesus say that? Because we talk about all the time that we're not justified by our actions and our words would be included in our actions, right? The things that I say, how can I be justified by my words or acquitted by my words it's because of what Jesus said just a few verses before that in verse 34. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the reason that on judgment day, we will give an account for every word that we've spoken is because our words come from our hearts. And our words are either evidence of a transformed heart by the gospel, or they are evidence that we have not been redeemed by the gospel. They're not just words, they're expressions of our heart, of the inner man, the inner woman, as we've been talking about in this series in Proverbs. Jesus also said in Luke chapter six, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, when you and I say, as we often do, after we've said something that we know we shouldn't have said, we often say, I didn't mean that. The Bible disagrees because the Bible says what we speak flows from our heart. You may have not necessarily meant to say it the way that you said it, but it did flow from your heart. There's something in your heart that caused you to say the thing that you said. James teaches that even though our tongue is such a small part of our body, it can do great evil. He actually says, goes on to say something as serious as it's lit on fire by hell itself, but it can also bring great blessing. And so yes, we're gonna talk about caution in the things that we say and making sure we watch our words, but let's not forget that the same tongue that has this power to speak such evil also has the power to speak life and speak good and the love of Christ and speak the gospel and truth. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Proverbs has a lot to say about our words. The Bible has a lot to say about our words. They're not just words, they matter. And so Proverbs 15, 28, I thought was a really good place to land this morning out of all the verses that we find. It says this, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Four principles that I think we learned from this verse. Number one, very simply, I've already said it, so I'm gonna be brief, but I wanna point out once again that the heart drives the tongue. This point should be obvious. We've talked about this in some aspect in every message in this series, that it is our heart that produces our actions. We talked about anger last week. Anger is not something that just happens. Anger is not something that's a result of your circumstances. It comes from within our own hearts. The same is true of our words. Nobody made you say the things that you said that were so hurtful. It came from your own heart. If I could summarize Proverbs 15, 28 in my own words, I would maybe say it this way. The righteous ponder in their hearts, but the wicked just speak with their mouths. Now, in both instances, when I say that the wicked person just speaks with their mouth, I'm not saying it doesn't come from their heart. It does. In both instances, what we say is coming from our heart. It's just that the righteous person has learned to weigh what they're about to say before they say it. The righteous person has learned to ponder before they speak. Uh, I shared months ago that one of our uh, pastimes, one of our favorite pastimes was watching TV shows, and we like the show Survivor. We finished that, so we're moving on to now The Amazing Race. Um, If you've never watched it, uh, it's a pretty fun show. Um, And what's interesting about The Amazing Race is that they'll pair sometimes these uh, former couples together. So um, a wife and a husband who are separated, and they'll put them on the same team because apparently it's a really good idea to put two people who don't like each other in a very intense situation when a million dollars is at stake, right? And they think this is a great idea. But they do it, and they try to race around the world, and eventually they start yelling at each other, and eventually they start saying really hurtful things to one another. And most of the time, they try to explain it away, right? They're like, I got caught up in the heat of the moment, and I didn't really mean to say what I said. No, you did. What they're doing in that moment is they're showing what's actually going on in their hearts. This is what the Bible teaches us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we speak and say hurtful words, we can't just apologize for and repent of what we said, but also why we said it. So when you go to your spouse, for example, and you apologize for the hurtful things that you said, don't just apologize for what you said. Be honest about and confess why you said it. 
the anger and the pride and the selfishness that drove you to say the thing that you said. It's not just about your words. It's about what happened in your heart. Isaiah came to mind because we have the story in Isaiah chapter six, the vision that he saw of the Lord. He saw the glory of the Lord and he saw his own sinfulness exposed. And here's what Isaiah said in response to seeing the glory of the Lord. Isaiah 6, 5. Isaiah writes, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah could have pointed out a lot of things that were sinful in himself, but he chose to focus on his words and the things that he said because they're not just words. They come from a sinful heart. He was acknowledging that his, it was his heart that was exposed by his lips. Our tongue is a window into what's going on in our hearts. And so the things that we say do matter. And once we understand that, we begin to move on to the next point, which is that the righteous are slow to speak. Because when you recognize that the things that you say are flowing from your heart, you begin to check your heart before you speak. And so as a result, you are slow to speak. I don't know about you, but um, I am uncomfortable when things are silent. If I'm in a group of people and nobody's saying anything, I get uncomfortable. I can't like, like visibly, I just, I start like sweating. I can't, I just, it's too awkward for me. I can't take it. So I have to say something. And most of the time it doesn't really mean a whole lot, but I'm just trying to get the conversation going, right? And so if you find me in that situation, I'm begging you to help me out and you start the conversation instead of me, right? I don't like silence, but I've learned about myself that I need to be a lot more careful before I speak because just simply saying something just to fill a void and just to speak doesn't often do a whole lot of good. Matter of fact, Proverbs gives some pretty good advice here. It says, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. And so we know people like this. I'm like this often. People may think that I'm pretty intelligent and wise until I actually open my mouth and I reveal my own foolishness, right? Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. Our, our world is full of quick responses to things. Our world is not slow to speak. Matter of fact, today, maybe more than ever, I don't, I don't know, but my assumption is maybe more than ever, the moment that something happens, something major happens, everybody's got to get a voice in on it. Everybody feels the need to talk and to share their opinion and to give what they think is true about the scenario. When something happens, they're not willing to hear another side of the story. They just saw this thing happen and they've got an opinion about it. It's already made up and they pour out evil things because of it. And the truth is the world doesn't always need your opinion. I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak up when the time comes to speak up, but the righteous person is gonna ponder how to speak before they just pour out evil speech. There's a lot of people that I've seen, pastors included, who will share an opinion about something that's happened in the world and then later they have to come back and say, I was wrong. Sometimes they don't because they were quick to speak. I don't think I could say it any better than Marshall Seagal when he said, sometimes faithfulness looks like or sounds like silence. Again, I'm not encouraging that we close our mouths when it's necessary to speak. We'll talk about that. But sometimes faithfulness means to silence ourselves, to ponder how to answer, to dig deep into God's word, to find out the facts of a situation, to process our own heart, what's happening in my heart that's motivating me to speak about this issue. 
before I just spout off a lot of words. Colossians teaches us, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person, not just when. So when I say be slow to speak, when the Bible says be slow to speak, it's not primarily talking about the timing. Like something happens and I, if I wait a week, I'm good. My timing is right now, I can speak. No, you still need to ponder how to speak. It's not just when to speak, it's how you speak. Let it be gracious, filled with truth, seasoned with salt. Salt preserves, salt brings out flavor, but salt also sometimes can burn. And so pondering how to speak does not mean that when you do speak up, everybody's gonna like what you have to say. Proverbs tells us, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy, which can be a sermon in itself, but a part of what's happening there is Solomon is reminding us that sometimes when our friends, when those closest to us say something to us that hurts, but it's truthful, that's a faithful thing. That speech that's seasoned with salt, they pondered how to speak and they spoke with grace and truth. And it may not be comfortable, it may not be something we wanted to hear, but we needed to hear it. And when somebody's always just saying positive things to us, ignoring the sin in our lives, not willing to call out what's happening, those are the kisses of an enemy, Solomon says. Doesn't mean that we try to wound with our words. Scripture never teaches us to intentionally hurt someone with our words. Matter of fact, Scripture says the opposite, Ephesians 4. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Not to harm, but to build up. Not to tear down, but to give grace to those who hear. I love that phrase, as fits the occasion. There's so many applications to that. You think about somebody who's hurting, who's just lost a loved one or going through some tragic event in their lives. It's true to say to them, this is the example we often use, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But that moment of pain may call for you not saying that in that moment. It may call for you instead to just weep with them and to speak later. When you find a brother or sister caught in sin, they confess their sin to you. It's right and it's true to tell them that yes, God hates our sin, but maybe in that moment what you need to say, what fits the occasion is to remind them that the Lord is slow to anger and he's rich in mercy, and that he forgives, to remind them to run to the cross. Make sure that what you say fits the occasion. You can say something that's true and, and the occasion may not be the right time. I'm, again, I'm not telling you don't say those things, but there is a time to say that. And there's a time to weep with those who weep. There's a time to rejoice with those who rejoice. What happens when we don't ponder how to answer the first time is we're forced to ponder how to apologize for what we said the first time. When you don't ponder how to answer the first time, you're gonna be sure that you ponder how to answer the second time because of the hurt that you've just caused. The righteous person ponders how to answer, and as a result, they are slow to speak. Otherwise, you're gonna find yourself in the category of point number three. The wicked are quick to blurt out evil. When the word of Christ is not dwelling in us richly, when we are quick to speech, the result is that we blurt out evil things. And when we say evil, there's a lot in that category. It can be lies, it can be gossip, it can be slander, 
It can just be demeaning speech. There's a lot of things that get lumped into this category of evil speech that we're told to put away in Scripture. It's not just about the intelligence of our speech here. When we're talking about the righteous pondering how to answer, it's not just so that they can come up with some really wise thing to say. It's about the character of your speech. I love Proverbs 10, 19. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Because the wicked person pours out evil speech. It's not just the occasional evil word here and there, but those who do not check their hearts continue to pour out evil speech. And when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Sin is nearby when words are many. University of Arizona, in a study several years ago, found out that on average, women speak about 16,215 words per day, and men speak about 15,669 words per day on average. So the myth that women talk more than men is pretty much busted there because it's almost the same number. But that's a lot of words. And if you're a parent, about 10,000 of those words are no, about 10,000 of the 16,000. And jokes aside, though, there's a lot of opportunity for sin there. 16,000 words in a day. This is not about like trying to get your word count down. I'm not suggesting that we get something like a Fitbit for our words, right? Like I got 5,000 words today, I'm doing good. That's not the point. The point is when we are quick to speak, when we are quick to just let our mouths pour out words, pour out speech without pondering how to answer, there will be sin there. You can guarantee it. The truth is, In Proverbs 15, 28, we see the righteous pondering out an answer and the wicked pouring out evil speech. I think we're tempted to think, I either fall into the category of the righteous or the wicked here, but this is a little bit more fluid for us than we'd probably like to admit. There are days when I am pondering how to answer and there are many more moments when I'm not. I find myself either walking in the spirit and pondering how to answer or walking in the flesh, giving way to my sin and being the wicked person pouring out evil speech. Don't be quick to say, I'm either in the category of the righteous or the wicked, because for those of us who follow Christ, we're constantly battling the flesh. There's days we do fall into the category of pouring out evil speech, and days we do fall into the category of pondering. That's why James says, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. If anyone thinks he's religious and he does not control his tongue, his religion is useless. Not that... You have to be perfect in this, but that you are striving by the power of the Spirit, by letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly, you're striving to be that person who ponders how to answer. And so what I want to say here as well, to begin to bring this point to conclusion, is it kind of ties back into the conversation about anger again. Last week I said, you can't make the excuse that you're just an angry person. That's just your tendency. I just... I tend to fly off the handle more than anybody else. It's my personality. You need to deal with it. Because you don't have an anger problem, you have a heart problem. The same is true with your words. You don't have a sarcasm problem. I mean, you do, but ultimately you have a heart problem. You don't have a gossip problem. Ultimately, you have a heart problem. The battle of your words is won in your heart. And pondering how to answer. And we all know somebody Maybe it's you that you would describe as somebody who uh, speaks before they think. They don't have a filter. Anything that comes to my mind comes out of my mouth. But the truth is, for all of us, the truth is not what comes to my mind comes out of my mouth. It's what's in my heart 
comes out of my mouth. And so again, you can't use the excuse, I just don't have a filter. You just gotta deal with it. It's just who I am. No, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Deal with what's going on in the heart. And we all stumble in this in some way. James says, if you don't, you're perfect. And I'm sure that if I asked for a show of hands of who thought that they were perfect in here, nobody would raise their hands. I hope not. We all struggle with this. We all stumble with this, which is why we need to conclude our study by moving kind of away from Proverbs 15, 28 to the larger uh, narrative of scripture here. Now, I've said this before in this series. You, you can't just take the book of Proverbs and just take one verse and build your whole theology around it. You have to take the whole of scripture. Proverbs can actually be a very dangerous book if you're gonna take every single verse in this book and build an entire system of theology around one verse. Any, any verse in scripture is dangerous if you do that, by the way. So we're gonna take what does scripture have to say because if it's true that what I say comes from my heart and, and, and the battle's won in the heart, but my heart is deceitful and wicked, what hope do I have? The hope that we have is our fourth and final point is that the word makes us clean. And I intentionally capitalized the W in word, or I hope I did. Yes, I did. Sometimes I make mistakes. Because I'm not just talking about scripture. Ultimately, I'm talking about the word himself, Jesus Christ. Jesus makes us clean, allows us to be able to speak life. The good news here is that your words will never justify you. And that, that might not sound like good news. Because we read earlier that Jesus said, by your words you'll be judged. And I'm telling you that your words can never justify you. You know why that's good news? Is because your words don't justify you. It's the word of another that justifies you. Jesus said in John 15, three to the disciples, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Not because of your words, not because I'm able to tame my tongue and I'm able to bring it into submission, but because Jesus makes me clean by his word, by the word of the cross. Because the truth is, God knows every word that you're gonna speak before it was ever on your lips. Psalm 139 is clear about that. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And so I choose to have hope in a God that says, I knew every word that you were gonna speak before you, you would say it. I knew the words that were gonna condemn you. I knew the words that were gonna come from your sinful heart. And I still forgive you. I still gave my life for you. Because our words pierce and crush, but the good news is that Jesus was pierced and crushed to forgive us of those very words, of that sin, of all our sin. Doesn't mean that our words don't matter. Please don't con conclude from this that what I'm saying is you can't justify yourself by your words. Jesus justifies you, so go out and say whatever you want. No, because the same gospel that justifies us, sanctifies us. And so Jesus not only forgives us, but he's placed his spirit in us to help us control our tongue, to help us to walk in holiness with our words. All throughout the New Testament, we're told to put away anger, put away malice, put away evil speech. How do we do that? We allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly because the word makes us clean. Two examples of that, James 1.21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. How do you put those things away? You receive the word. You allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly. You walk by the spirit, not by your flesh. Colossians 3.16, I referenced this earlier. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And when you do that, here's the result. You speak life. 
you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So again, I'm not suggesting that there are not times in our life when we see something happening that we need to speak up quickly. When I say be slow to speak, again, it's not always about the literal timing of your words. There are times when you see evil happening and you need to speak up quickly and loudly. But the person who allows the word of Christ to dwell in them richly has already pondered how to answer because you're not relying on your words. You're not relying on your own heart to address the situation. You see the evil happening and you're able to say, I know what the word says about this and I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak life. So the principle is not simply just pause before you speak every time. Maybe that'd be a good principle for some of you. But the principle is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that when you speak you've already pondered how to answer because the spirit of Christ dwells in you. Jesus did so much more than simply offer us a way to change our words. He changed our hearts. He gave us a new heart, put his spirit within us, and now we can walk speaking words of life. So let the word of Christ and the spirit of God control your tongue. Learn how to ponder before you answer. Maybe... Maybe you've recently spoken a careless word. Maybe recently you think back over your life and you go, man, I've, I've been gossiping about this brother or sister in Christ. I've, I've lied. I've said things that are hurtful to the people around me. Again, let me encourage you to go to them, to confess that, and not just confess what you said, but to confess why you said it. To go to them and admit your heart, what drove you to say the things that you did about them. And the truth is, a lot of times when we, when we are slandering a brother or sister in Christ, they don't even know it. And we've used our words to tear them down and they're not even aware of it. Go to them and admit that, confess that. James says when we confess our sins to one another, we find healing. We go to God, we find forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive us, but we, are, we find a healing that happens, a spiritual healing as we confess our sins to one another so that we may be healed. You know, I've always said, or I've said throughout this series, that the book of Proverbs is scattered a little bit. You have one verse, and the next verse goes to a new thought. But I did think it was interesting that the very next verse, we've, we've read Proverbs 15, 28, we've looked at it. The very next verse, verse 29, says this. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And what a thought, when I connect verse 28 and 29 that it could be my words, my careless words to my brothers and sisters in Christ that could actually hinder my prayers to God. That could actually take me further away from my fellowship with God. But when we confess, when we humble ourselves, we ponder how to answer, we confess our careless words, the Lord is near to the righteous. We've said this often, but maybe you've not heard me say it before. When the Bible talks about the righteous, it's not, for the, it's not the one who has it all together. It's the one who's been declared righteous by Christ. It's the one who recognizes that I'm not righteous in myself and I've repented of my sin and it's Jesus who's made me righteous. I walk in his righteousness, not mine. The righteous person ponders how to answer. And my final word this morning on the words that we use is that, yes, we need to be bold. We're, we're living in a time where Christians are more and more afraid to speak up for truth because we're being attacked more and more fiercely by the culture for the things that we say. 
And more and more Christians seem to be shying away from speaking the truth boldly. And I hope you don't hear me suggest even for a moment that we should shy away from that. But what we should do is in our boldness, we need to make sure that our speech is gracious, seasoned with salt. Because the minute that we allow our speaking of the truth to be void of love, it's no longer truth. And the minute we allow our love to be void of truth, it's no longer love. We need to be bold, but we need to be gracious. A quote from Mark Ross, he said, we must always hold fast to the truth, but how we hold fast to it is just as important. And it's been hard to watch over the last few years, maybe, maybe more specifically the last two years, watching many people that I agree with theologically who are speaking truthful things in a way that is not loving and on the flip side, I've seen people who are calling for love and unity, but it's void of truth, and both of those scenarios are wrong. We need to be bold to speak the truth, but we need to be gracious in our speech. We need to be the righteous person that ponders how to answer. But that also means that we need to be willing to answer when the occasion fits, when it's time to speak the truth. We speak it in love. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes as we reflect on the word every week? I try to take a moment where I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes primarily just to remove distractions, to focus on your own life and heart, to take what's been said and figure out how you need to apply it. Because James says that the blessing doesn't come in just hearing the word. You can't, you can't be blessed by a sermon or the word if you're not gonna go out and do what it says. There's no blessing in that. So what words, what things have you said recently that you need to confess to the Lord, but also to your spouse or to your coworker or to another brother or sister in Christ that has no idea the things that you've said about them, that has no idea the way that you've been tearing them down in front of others? Who do you need to go and confess that to? Jesus said, if you're offering your gift at the altar, if you're, if you're here to worship and you remember that you got something, you, you have something against your brother or they have something against you, leave your gift, go and reconcile and then come back and offer your gift. Don't wait. Sure, it'll be difficult. It may be uncomfortable. You may not get the response that you were hoping for when you confess it, but that's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to humble yourself, to confess that, to know that the Lord forgives, and to be willing to humble yourself to admit that before your brothers and sisters in Christ as well, before your spouse, whoever it may be. And so I wanna pray for you. Not only that you have the courage to do that, and I'm including myself in this prayer, by the way, not only that we would have the courage to admit what we said and why we said it, but also that we would walk in the spirit, that we would allow the word of Christ to dwell in us richly and that when we speak, it would be from hearts that have pondered how to answer. It would be mouths that speak life and truth. So I'm gonna pray for us and I encourage you to pray as well, maybe silently or just listen to the prayer, but make this time an opportunity that you can know exactly what you need to do with the word that's been preached this morning. God, thank you for this time. This is a 
This can be a hard message because the truth is your word is a mirror that exposes our sin. When we look into your word and we read verses like Proverbs 15, 28, we see all of the ways that we fall short of this. Remind us above everything else today that though we fall short, though we fail, though we can never be perfect in the things that we say, it's your word that makes us clean. It's you that declare us to be righteous. Those of us that have put our faith and trust in you. May we have the gospel as our foundation so that we can walk in the freedom that the gospel gives us to admit when we're wrong, to know that there's not a single word that we could say no matter how hurtful it would be, that's not covered by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. But it's that same grace that empowers us to now go out and speak life. May we live with that mentality with our words. And I pray for anybody in here or listening and watching online that may know of a situation right now that comes to their mind where they spoke in a way that they should not have, where they poured out evil speech, whether it be lies or gossip or slander or just demeaning words, whatever it may be that you give them the courage and the boldness to admit that first and foremost before you, but also to the person that they have hurt with their words, whether that person knows about it or not. May we all have that kind of courage and boldness because we're a people that have been forgiven and freed by the gospel. There's not a single sin that condemns us before you because of the blood of Jesus. And so we are free to admit our shortcomings and failures and we're free to walk in the spirit and walk in righteousness. Thank you for this time. Pray that you would continue to speak to us. May your word dwell in us richly as we leave this place today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.